Please open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'm going to read and preach verses 9 through 12 this morning, where Paul talks about the relationship between justification and circumcision. Paul's been talking about justification, about how God declares us righteous in his sight, not because of our works, but because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. And now he asks the question, what is the relationship between justification and circumcision? The Old Testament ceremonial rite, the Old Testament sacrament, in a sense, that God commanded his people to observe. And in order to answer that question, he's going to use, again, the example of Abraham. He's going to show that Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. So he couldn't have been justified by his circumcision. In fact, he was justified by faith. And we'll consider how that relates to us as God's people today, who also have been justified by faith and are seeking also to walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham. So let's pray and ask for God's help, and then we'll begin. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would work deeply and powerfully in each one of our hearts now. We come before your word together. We come under your word together. And we pray that you would humble us and convict us. Show us even more clearly that we can only be justified by the imputation of Christ's righteousness and the forgiveness of our sins received by faith alone. And we do pray that you would empower us to walk by faith in our daily lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 4, reading verses 9 through 12. This is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. We're going to work through this passage under the two headings that are there in your sermon notes. First, the timing of Abraham's circumcision, that's in verses 9 and 10. And second, the purpose of Abraham's circumcision, verses 11 and 12. What Paul does here is he asks a question about the relationship between justification and circumcision. And then he answers that question, as I said, by looking at the example of Abraham. He's already talked about Abraham at the beginning of the chapter, and then he talked about David, and now he returns to Abraham. So Abraham, then David, then Abraham. 
And he treats these examples from the Old Testament as decisive and determinative for the questions at, at hand. He treats these examples as authoritative. He treats them as settling the question, which is just another reminder in passing to us that the Old Testament is the authoritative word of God, not only for the Apostle Paul, but for us today and for all people everywhere throughout time. It's not outdated as it is sometimes thought to be. It's not irrelevant. It's not primitive in its morals. It is timeless and timely, and it is authoritative, and it settles the question, whatever question you or I may have, and the reason for that is because it is the word of the living God, the ultimate authority in the universe, and in the church, and in each of our hearts and lives. So Paul appeals once again to the Old Testament, and he answers this question about the relationship between justification and circumcision, and the question is at the beginning of verse 9. Look again at verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? The blessing he's referring to is the blessing of justification that we've been talking about. The blessing of imputed righteousness and the forgiveness of sins. The blessing of God counting us righteous apart from our works. Let's just remember together what a blessing that is, truly is. Because God is holy and just and we are sinful and guilty, and we deserve His wrath and judgment. Nothing we can do can wash away our sin or atone for our guilt, and we lack the perfect righteousness that is required for us to be in fellowship with a perfectly righteous God. That's true of every single one of us. There's no exceptions in this room to those truths, but in justification, When we believe in Christ for our salvation, all of our sins are washed away. All of our guilt is atoned for. The perfect righteousness we lack is credited to our account. The righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. And on that basis, and on that basis alone, God declares us righteous. God justifies the ungodly. He declares us not guilty in the courtroom of his perfect justice. He clothes us in the unstained and unstainable robe of the righteousness of his own son. And we are justified. It is just as if I'd never sinned when we are justified. It is just as if I'd always obeyed when we are justified. Legally, We are as righteous as Jesus Christ himself because Jesus Christ himself is our righteousness. And what a blessing that is. A blessing that produces blessedness like we talked about last time. A blessing that produces humility and joy in our hearts and lives. 
So Paul's asking, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? That's the question. Is it only for the circumcised, for the Jew, or is it also for the uncircumcised, for the Gentile? In other words, do you have to be circumcised in order to have this blessing? Paul answers that question by talking about the timing of Abraham's circumcision and then the purpose of Abraham's circumcision, as I said. So let's see what he says about the timing of Abraham's circumcision. First of all, he says there in the second half of verse 9, For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. That's what he just said back up in verse 3. If you look back up at verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Then he quotes Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. So is this blessing only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Well, Abraham had this blessing by faith, not by circumcision. Faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, not circumcision. Abraham was justified not by circumcision, but by faith. Same for us. Same for you and me. We're not justified by works, but by faith. We're not justified by doing, but by believing. We're not justified by birth. We're not justified by baptism. We're not justified by church attendance. We're not justified by faithful involvement in church programs. We're not justified by a good life. We're not justified by death. We're justified by faith. When we believe in Christ, the righteousness of Christ is counted as ours, and we are forgiven of all our sins, and God justifies us. He declares us righteous in His sight. Paul says, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. So if Abraham was justified not by circumcision but by faith, then this blessing, the blessing of justification, is not only for the circumcised, it's also for the uncircumcised. It's for all who believe. It's for all who put their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Secondly, Paul answers the question at the beginning of verse 9 with actually two questions at the beginning of verse 10. If you look at the beginning of verse 10, he asks, How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? How was Abraham's faith counted to him as righteousness? Or under what circumstances did that take place? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? When was Abraham's faith counted to him as righteousness? Paul is asking. He says at the end of verse 10, It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness before he was circumcised. Genesis 15 came before Genesis 17. Genesis 15, verse 6, is where Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. 
And Genesis 17 is where Abraham was circumcised, as we heard earlier in the service. So he was justified before he was circumcised. In fact, he was justified about 13 years before he was circumcised. So is the blessing of justification only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Well, Abraham had the blessing of justification before he was circumcised, when he was uncircumcised. He had it by faith and not by circumcision, and he had it before he was circumcised. So the answer is, this blessing is not only for the circumcised, it's also for the uncircumcised, it's for all who believe. You don't have to be circumcised in order to have this blessing because the blessing is received by faith. As Paul said at the end of chapter 3, verses 28 through 30 at the end of chapter 3, he says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So Paul answers the question, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised by saying that Abraham had the blessing of justification by faith and not by circumcision and he had the blessing of justification before his circumcision. So the blessing is for the uncircumcised as well as for the circumcised. It is for all who believe in Jesus Christ. Whether you grew up in the church or grew up in the world, whether you were raised in a Christian home or you were raised in a non-Christian home, whether you've lived a fairly moral, normal life externally or you've lived a fairly immoral, abnormal life, no matter who you are, the blessing of justification comes to you only by faith. If you believe in Christ, you will be justified. If you have believed in Christ, you are justified and will forever be justified by God before God. So that's about the timing of circumcision. Let's look now together, secondly, at the purpose of circumcision. If Abraham received the blessing by faith and not by circumcision, if he had it before he was circumcised, then what was the purpose of circumcision? Well, it was threefold, according to Paul here. First, it was a sign and seal of the righteousness he had by faith. Second, it was to make him the father of of all the uncircumcised who believe. And third, it was to make him the father of all the circumcised who believe. And we'll take each of those in turn. So first, circumcision was a sign and seal of the righteousness he had by faith. Look at verse 11 again. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. He received in Genesis 17, as we heard, the sign of circumcision, 
as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith back in Genesis 15 while he was still uncircumcised. It was a sign and seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. So circumcision didn't make him righteous. It was a sign and seal of the righteousness he already had by faith. It was a sign, that, it was, that is, it was a symbol. And it was a seal, that is, it was a certification of the righteousness that he had by faith. As a sign, it symbolized something. It pointed to something. And as a seal, it certified something. It authenticated something. Namely, the righteousness Abraham needed was a righteousness he had by faith. Baptism is the corresponding sign and seal of the covenant of grace in the New Testament. As our confession puts it in chapter 28, paragraph 1, summarizing the teaching of Scripture, baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ, not only for the solemn admission of the party baptized into the visible church, but also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, of his engrafting into Christ, of regeneration, of remission of sins. Again, it's a sign and a seal of those things, not the cause of those things. And of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life, which sacrament is by Christ's own appointment to be continued in his church until the end of the world. Circumcision was a sign and seal of the covenant of grace under the old covenant. Baptism is now the sign and seal of the covenant of grace under the new covenant. And as a sign and seal, it symbolizes and certifies all the blessings of the gospel that are ours by faith. We hear that in the preached word, and we see that in the visible word of the sacraments, which God has given us to strengthen our weak faith and also to call us to walk by faith in Him. So the first purpose of circumcision was to be a sign and seal of the righteousness that Abraham had by faith. The second purpose of circumcision was to make Him the father of all the uncircumcised who believe. Middle of verse 11 The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Abraham himself believed without being circumcised and part of the purpose of him being later circumcised and not till after he believed was to make him the father or the forerunner of all those who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, so that righteousness would be counted to them by faith and not by circumcision as well. Part of the purpose of circumcision was to make Abraham the father of all the uncircumcised or the Gentiles who believe. So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, Abraham is your father. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. 
children. Perhaps you've sung that before. We are children of Abraham. We are offspring of Abraham. Look down at verses 16 and 17 of chapter 4. Verses 16 and 17. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And then further down in verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Or as Galatians 3 says, Galatians 3, 5 through 9, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham, quote, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who trust in Christ are blessed with the same blessing that Abraham had, the blessing of justification, the blessing of imputed righteousness, and the forgiveness of sins. So the second purpose of circumcision was to make Abraham the father of all the uncircumcised who believe. The third purpose was to make him the father of all the circumcised who believe, the Jews who believe in Christ. Look at verse 12. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Abraham was the physical father of all the circumcised, of all the Jews. But here, Paul's point is that he was also the spiritual father of all the circumcised who believed and who showed that belief by walking in the footsteps of the faith that he had. It was possible to have Abraham as your physical father, but not as your spiritual father. It was possible to be a child or an offspring of Abraham physically, but not spiritually. Listen to the conversation between Jesus and the unbelieving Jews in John 8, 39 through 44. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. 
Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. These were children of Abraham physically, but spiritually they were children of the devil, Jesus said. And they were showing that by their rejection of Jesus and of his word. Paul will go on to say in Romans 9, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. That is, not all who are descended from Israel physically belong to Israel spiritually. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. That is, not all are children of Abraham spiritually because they are his offspring physically. It is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So while Abraham is the physical father of all the circumcised physically, he is the spiritual father of all the circumcised spiritually. He is the spiritual father of all who believe, whether they are circumcised or uncircumcised, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Remember what Paul said back up in chapter 2 of Romans, verses 25 through 29. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. In other words, you're showing that you're spiritually uncircumcised, even though you're physically circumcised. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. No one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. A Jew is one inwardly. Abraham is the spiritual father of the Jews who are not merely Jews outwardly, but also inwardly. He is the spiritual father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised outwardly, but who are also circumcised inwardly, in the heart, by the Spirit of God. And who show that by walking in the footsteps of the faith of their father, Abraham. It was possible to be merely circumcised, just like it's possible today to be merely baptized. Not to possess inwardly what circumcision or baptism sign and seal. That is a possibility. It's possible to be a nominal Christian, a Christian in name only. It's possible to profess faith, but not to possess faith. It's possible to assume you're a Christian and to say you're a Christian, 
but not to really be a Christian. Not to really be born again. Not to really have genuine, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the ways you can tell if that's the case is to see whether or not you are walking in the footsteps of faith. As Paul says here, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. One of the ways you can tell if true saving faith is present in your heart is if you are walking in faith in your life. Not perfectly, of course. None of us. None of us walk in faith perfectly. Only Christ did that. But genuinely, sincerely, desiring to walk in faith, seeking to walk in faith, repenting when you don't walk in faith, growing in your ability to walk in faith. And if you're not sure this morning, if you possess genuine saving faith because you lack the fruit of that faith in your life, or if you're convicted and you're convinced that in fact you don't possess genuine saving faith, turn to Christ. Look to Jesus. Ask Him to give you saving faith or to give you assurance of your salvation if you already have genuine saving faith. Ask Him to enable you to believe in Him as Abraham did. Ask Him to enable you to receive and to depend upon Him alone for your salvation as He is offered to you in the gospel. Ask Him to work in you so that you are not merely baptized, but so that you also embrace by faith what your baptism signs and seals to you. Ask Him then to empower you to walk in the footsteps of faith for His glory. Circumcision was important. Baptism now is important. Church membership is important. Church attendance is important. Church involvement is important. But if you don't have true saving faith, none of those things will help you before a holy God. We need our sins forgiven. We need an imputed righteousness. And we have those by faith, by faith alone in Christ alone. So Abraham had the blessing of justification by faith and not by circumcision. And he had it before he was circumcised. So the blessing of justification is for all who believe, whether they're circumcised or uncircumcised. And the purpose of circumcision was to be a sign and seal of righteousness by faith and to make Abraham the father of all the uncircumcised who believe and to make Abraham the father of all the circumcised who believe, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham. And that's actually the note I want to end on this morning. As believers, 
We are called to walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had. We are called to walk in the footsteps of his faith. We are called to walk in the faith. We are called to walk by faith. Walking by faith is not how we're justified. We're justified by faith. But we show the genuineness of that faith by walking in faith. So don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk. Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Don't walk by feel. Walk by faith. Make it your number one priority for each new day to walk by faith by the enabling grace of the Spirit. Like our father Abraham did. Like the Apostle Paul did. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for loving us and giving yourself for us on the cross. We thank you for your perfect righteousness and for the forgiveness of sins that are ours by faith, not by circumcision, not by baptism, not by any other external act or deed, but by faith. We thank you for giving us faith, for giving us the ability to believe in you. We pray that you would give us the ability to walk by faith in you. We pray for that in your name. Amen.